Hi everybody, my name's Johnny Morgan. I'm joined by my uh, my main man, Kit Alexander, and I've got to welcome you to a very special guest. I'm very happy to have him on. Uh, one of the nicest guys on tour. Like There are many, but this man stands out <laughs> like a sore thumb. He's a top bloke. He's one of those from South Africa. He's half South African, half English. He's all the way over in Saudi Arabia right now, and he's been able to join us. It's the mighty Justin Walters. How you doing, Justin, my boy? Hey, big Johnny Morgan. Thanks for having me on. It's great to speak to you, man. Thanks, you. Oh, mate, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. I mean, uh, how's your journey been? I mean, you played the first two uh, tournaments. You you made the cut in the second over in Dubai last week, but uh, yeah. you've headed over to Saudi Arabia. How was your journey? Uh, yeah, three weeks in the desert sometimes feel like four weeks because generally it's the, you know so it's the first events of the season so we all show up a little bit early trying to burn a bit of rust off so we i showed up the friday before um abu dhabi you know and then you really you, you put some grind and hard work in and that makes abu dhabi week feel really long and then you get to the bar and it starts to streamline a little bit better and uh yeah uh, it's lovely to be in the warmth and the heat and playing some you know on some really good golf courses and uh, Saudi is just another new stop that we do, and it's really growing in stature, the tournament, and the course is coming along nicely. So, yeah, it's a good three weeks. It's a good three weeks to to play well and fill your boots and get some points up. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, hasn't quite gone as well as I hope, but, you know, we're just one week away from being a hero sometimes. So hopefully it's this week. <laughs> well, you've had many chances of being... Uh... You know, a hero, mate. You've had a few seconds. When is the win around the corner? Come on, mate. Come on, mate. Uh, no, that one kind of slipped through my fingers at the Belfry last year, unfortunately. That was probably my very best opportunity to win, you know. Um, but uh, I want to say that uh, maybe I'm going to be a golfer that plays as better golf in his 40s. I've just turned 40. So, you know, I think uh, I've got good stuff ahead of me. Yeah, I, I feel like I've got more than a win in me. Um, as long as the old body holds up and... Uh, I, uh, I, you know, I stay injury free. Uh, I, I think I could make a run at a few, definitely. Uh, keep eating your greens, mate. Keep eating your greens. You'll be all right. <laughs> the spinach, yeah. <laughs> what what do you have chances this week from uh, the past couple of tournaments in Saudi? The first two, it seems to be a bit of a bomber's paradise out there. Is with that ring? Really yeah, I've, I, the course needs wind to protect it because yeah, it is a bit of a bomber's paradise. I, I haven't seen the course yet this week. Um, you know, some uh, last year we had a little bit more rough. Um, and it's got quite firm. The scoring wasn't um, outrageously bad. Uh, bad, I think it was. I think you know maybe the leader ran away with it, but it was quite spread out. So I think you kind of separate separate yourself on the greens this week. Um, you can bomb it on most holes, but some holes require a bit of strategy and placement. So. Uh, it's a it's a mixture of both, and I think as the course grows and gets old, it's only three three years old, I think. So as the trees and 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 uh, the the course matures, I think uh, you know they can probably test us in different ways. But right now, it's you know probably be the wind when the wind picks up, it, it can get a bit tricky. So when you uh, you hit the range tomorrow, then boss, and uh, you know if you if you peg it up next to the range and you got Bryson DeChambeau next to you or Dustin Johnson, you're gonna just rip a few past him. <laughs> Just show him who's boss. Well, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think, you know, you know when Tiger came out and watched, uh, played our, our tour, I think you know, all the pros would stop and watch a little bit. I certainly just think this week there's going to be a bit of that with Bryson. I think guys are going to sit and watch and 
see and just watch the launch and the effort he puts into moving a golf ball. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be quite interesting to see. He's certainly, he's certainly just, you know, made a lot of, uh, you know, new topics to talk about and how, to, how golf's played and where the game's headed. And I think he's highlighted a lot of contentious issues with it. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, he'll, I'll definitely try and grab a spot next to him and try and <laughs> not get sucked in, you know. <laughs> yeah. no, so, no, he better not neck. He, be, he better not neck one because if I get one past him, I'll get some mileage out of that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let him know about it. Let him know about it. Do you like yeah, it? Absolutely. When the guys come over from the PGA Tour, some of the Americans, the Europeans, that uh, and rest of the world players that, that tend to spend a bit of time over on the PGA Tour. Do you really like the challenge of going up against them in the bigger events? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it just uh, gives you obviously it brings more world ranking points to the to the table for us to to take advantage of, and you get to test your game against the, the arguably the best in the world. You know, they're probably not as accustomed some of them to playing overseas, and I think that's why they come this way to kind of learn a few things on how to play overseas. And uh, we uh, we you know we like to take the chance to to see their games, compare our games and, you know, have a chance to, to um, string them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it uh, proved hard the last few years to do that. But, uh, yeah, I, I love it when they come over. It just gives the, the event a little bit of a different feel, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I enjoy it. I love it. It's great for the, for the golf, great for the European tour. And, uh, yeah, I enjoy having them. Yeah, a lot of eyes on the tournament this week. Like you say, it's a good week to make yourself a hero with all the people in the field and the storylines going on. You can really make your mark. Absolutely. You've had four runners-up on the European Tour. You've won a couple of times on the Sunshine Tour as well. You just sort of turned 40 not too long ago. As you say, you hope your best golf's ahead of you. But looking back, how do you assess your career so far, especially coming through some of the hardships that you, you've had to overcome in your life? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would say, I think if I looked at most of my career, I would probably have a little bit more disappointment than joy. I feel like I've underperformed um, to what uh, I feel like I can do. Um, sometimes golf has a way of just owning you and you know letting you know when it's ready to let you have a good moment. And uh, sometimes I've, I, uh, I've, I've blown some good opportunities and sometimes I've used opportunities at a very timely moment, but uh, uh, I, I don't know. It's, I, I would say if a couple of things, I think if I, if I hung it up in a couple of years or I ran on status and I look back, I'd say I'd judge my career on regret. Do, do you have any regrets? You know, did, did you do everything you possibly could? Did you turn over every rock? Did you cross every bridge? Did you do everything you could? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have done that. And I think there's no regret there. And you look back and go, well, I've thrown the kitchen sink at it. And that's what the game gave me, you know. Um, and for the most part, it's been very good to me, the game. And you look back and if I don't get to win a tournament, I think that would be, you know, a, a milestone that would probably take uh, – would take a lot of that regret away, you know, if I was to not win a golf tournament. It's not the be on end all, but it's why we compete. It's why we, we, you know, get up in the morning. It's why we work so hard and why we have a team around us trying to make us the best we can be. And uh, to be that best man just that one week, it's got an incredible feeling. And I just want to, I want to have that, that joy in that moment. And 
I've got two young children now, and uh, when I lost in that playoff for the Belfry, my little boy was crying for half an hour afterwards. Oh. And uh, he called me on the phone, and yeah, it obviously losing the playoff was hard, but to hear him, his disappointment for me yeah. um, really made me want to the next time want to win and one for him and for my family and everyone that's ever tried to help me get to that position. Well, you you've got a bunch of great great people around you mate and uh we all root for you as you know i do as well and many others yeah. but mate yeah. you've got an amazing following can you just show people your cap actually because the logo on your cap i want to bring yeah. that to the forefront i need because... to do i need to kind of do that for you to know what it is right yeah. oh <laughs> yes that's perfect well that's how i used to rock it mate that's what i, I think I you'll win if you wear your hat that week I'm on, honestly i'm on the johnny morgan show i've got to wear how johnny morgan wore it right yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I remember I was you came out before onto the tour before I ever got up there and I was like, Who's this cocky guy? I mean wearing his head on backwards and surely, you know, you, you know, what is he doing? And then you just rock the world for a little while. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. It was, good. It was it the was... blue hair underneath it that was the real <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got you I'm right there with you, brother, as well. So just hiding the, the shine, you know, and the, the reflection. Yeah, so I, I decided <laughs> I wouldn't put any baby oil on it, mate, because I didn't want to scare the camera, you know what I mean? So I've just had a shave just like you, mate. Boulders a billiard yeah. ball ready to go. So um yeah, yeah mate, let's let's uh Let's talk about British for Rhinos because you've got a hell of a stable of guys that have really absorbed British for Rhinos, putting the logos on their bags. You bet one of your best mates, Dean Berminster, rocks it yeah, as well. Dean, tell, tell yeah. us about tell us about the other the other players that rock it as well, my friend. Yeah, we've got quite a few guys um, and ladies too. Um, obviously, me and Dean were the ones that kind of headed it up in the beginning, um, but it didn't take long to um, to get you know people passionate about it. Surprisingly, for a long time, we had more English players involved in it and pulling for it uh, than we did South Africans. So that was, you know, we got a really big English contingent, uh, obviously headlined by Justin Rose. Um, I kind of obviously used the South African connection there. His mom is very well into rhino conservation. So kind of used that angle a little bit and he loved it, um, loved the idea and he's been on board since pretty much we started. So that's been great. And then we got Chris Paisley. Richard Bland, other English guys that are on board. Um, and then we've got a New Zealander, Ryan Fox. And yeah. then we've got some other South, other South Africans that have come on board. We've got um, uh, the guy that won it last year is Louis Diago. And then mm. um, every now and then I should give a mention to Eddie Pepperell. Um, Eddie, uh, whenever I play with him, he always donates 500 pounds towards Birdies for Rhinos. Oh, bye well, to you, Eddie. What well done, yeah, I know he's incredible, and and whenever he goes to South Africa and plays any tournament in South Africa, he donates um to birdies for rhinos. So uh, yeah, he's he's so yeah he, we call him our guest star. He he kind of has a guest role every now and then, um and then other South Africans, Yako Alas is involved, and then we've got some ladies involved, Stacey Brigman, um and uh, Lejean Bethwaite, and then um. There's uh, a few others that kind of coming on and off. It's it's quite hard to, you know, always be involved. But you know, we have a lot of people that do want to be involved, and uh, you know, it's an open open club. Anyone can be involved, and and that's the beauty of it. You can be someone that's interested in golf and wildlife at home, and and you know, match a donation or just call in and say, hey, we want to help. How can we help? So it's it's a it's been a good success of 
successful uh, start. And uh, I think we're moving into a time of how do we, we show the difference we're making and what we're going about and uh, trying to give value back to the people that are helping and showing that they're actually making a difference. Well, you've got, you got loads of people that rock rock you, mate, and uh, and your fellow play, players that, you know, help you sponsor birdies for rhinos. And I, I also wanted to say, I mean, Kevin Peterson, who's a famous cricket star, you know, he does his side for, yeah. for rhinos. But um, are you in cahoots? And what do you talk about if you are in cahoots and having a little chat about it? And, you know, tell us about the, the state of the rhino, um, you know, population, especially at the Kruger, because I remember we were down there at Leopard yeah. Creek, where we've just seen a serious amount of water. You've just sent me that message of all that water coming along yeah. Crocodile River yeah. right by the 13th. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, well over the view as yeah. well. But yeah. tell us tell us how what the state of rhinos are in the Kruger well, itself and all over I, the world. I guess to answer the first part of your question, KP, Dean Dean spends most of that, well, KP's involvement. Dean kind of runs that side of things. He's, he's quite good friends with KP. He chats to him and what's going on, and they keep each other updated. I chat to KP every now and then, um, yeah. but Dean mainly fills that role. Um, I, when we first got going, because Birdies for Rhinos, we, each pro makes a birdie, and he donates his own money towards the cause. And right. then as a group, as a group, we pool the money and we decide where to send the money. You know, what, how can we use that money to help the most? And initially, we, we were involved with Mark Boucher's legacy program, Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as Mark Boucher took over the captains or the, the coaching for South African cricket, it kind of lost, uh, he took a lot of his time away from the Rhino stuff. And I think that's where KP really moved into that arena mm-hmm. and is, is, is doing a lot of what Mark was doing. Um, but in that time where, where Mark was, um, you know, spending time as a coach, we moved away into connected conservation, which uh, is Doc Watson and Di Data and Cisco. Um, to, together they built a foundation um, using Cisco's uh, amazing technology they, they shifted their focus towards looking after uh, rhinos in the sense of tracking people and not the animals so you leave the animals to roam freely and then you, you stop the people from accessing the parks and with the amazing technology I mean literally it's like a war room when you go into one of their facilities and you're just, uh, and send you pictures you go into this room that has 50 screens all feeds of pictures from cameras all over the reserve they have um these uh these high powered uh um, cameras that can see up to five kilometers and it picks up any movement and it can tell you if it's human or animals and that's really you know then alongside a real-time network all the ranges are connected with by uh, wi-fi in, in the bush and and that was one of the biggest problems you know rangers couldn't respond to instances that would take them up to 30 minutes to to get anywhere and with yeah. with Cisco and their real their real time approach and network they can respond to certain places uh, or some most game parks within under five minutes huh. it's that connected the whole bush is that connected that uh, everyone can get somewhere and then they send drones that can send helicopters they can send ground troops in dogs sniffing dogs so it's a real big deterrent and i think that's that's kind of where we are it's that people don't realize it's a war it's every day that people are getting up it's you know even staying up all night and they're literally guarding rhino um and we're losing up to upwards on average of three rhino a day in south africa alone. 
And at that current rate, we're looking at, you know, partial extension by 2025. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit boring thing. And I think that's where me and Dean really wanted to get involved. And, you know, we would go into the park and see these animals. And I, I felt, well, it would be really neat for my kid to be able to see this too. You know, mm. and uh, that's why, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily directly saving rhinos, but I'm certainly trying to help people that are doing all the hard work. And, uh, mm. and, and I think it's starting to gain traction, certainly with, with the Connect conversation. I think we're really doing good work um, in the, the pilot, uh, pilot game reserve that we, we initially put all the technology in. I think they lost 47 rhino one year. The year before they put in all the technology, the real the Wi-Fi, the real network stuff. And um, the for the next two and a half years, they didn't lose one rhino. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. So, but alongside with that, you you know, by tracking humans, you're protecting animals in general. Yeah, all of them. Not just, rhino's obviously one of the key targets, um, but they would go in there, you know, clean out elephant. They would kill lion for their, for their claws. They would kill pangolins, pangolins are on the danger list, giraffe, you name it, you know, bush meats. So with our approach, you know, by tracking humans, you actually, we're protecting wildlife in general. And, and the project has taken off so much that Doc told me uh, the other day that they have 55 requests worldwide for the technology wow. to help to try and curb um, poaching. And uh, the technology is so diverse and so adaptive of all we can we can protect whales and dolphins in the in the ocean with it we can protect tigers in the forest we can pretty much transfer it to any kind of environment and protect any kind of animal with it so what started with you know rhinos and trying to protect them we are is kind of moving into just wildlife in general which is really exciting that's awesome i mean john yeah. loves his wildlife i'm exactly the same we love nature and anything that stat you said by 2025 there could be parking <sighs> right. I mean that's that's just yeah. the corner. That is scary. So you know anything we yeah. and you said that anyone can donate as well. So if you Google birdies for rhinos out there, anyone who wants to yeah. do it, get involved because an incredibly worthy cause. And as you say, it's not just helping yeah. it will help all the animals in the bush, and then that technology yeah. can be used all around the world to help any animal that's endangered. And uh, you know we really. Yeah bit more for that so yeah so the, the money with that we we directly don't just go straight into into a project of some sort you know and uh yeah and anyone can get involved we're on instagram twitter um and 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 there is a website where you can you know it's it's mainly golf driven the um the stuff you can buy you can buy hats you can buy golf covers you can buy towels all of that all the profits from that go towards birdies for rhinos and uh, we're trying to apply the money the best we can if we we're not a charity itself we're just an initiative that helps charity you know and uh none of you know we don't keep any of the money we just try and try and put as much of it towards towards what we're trying to do so yeah and no, it's really exciting it's in a way it's sad too you know you you know i get to see and hear some really nice horrible things that are going on that people are oblivious to they're oblivious to they don't know about it and it's really sad to see what animals are being put through you know and uh, i think uh, if we can at least save a soil portion and then we get to a point um where maybe some of the older ancient um, beliefs around 
um, rhino and, and pangolin and all these animals that are, are are taken for medicinal purposes. Maybe you know that they because it doesn't. It was rhino horn. A lot of people think can help cancer, um, can help you with ED, can help you with ailments. And literally, a, a rhino horn is nails. It's the same material as what's on your nail. It's hair. It has absolutely no properties that can help you, but it's believed that it is. So I think we're just one side of the cause. I think we're just trying to protect what we have. But then you have HSBC that are in China and Vietnam and Cambodia, and they're educating people, yeah. trying to let them know that this, this doesn't really work. Rather use this. This is more sustainable. This is more readily available, you know, because um, as it is, Rhino horn is the most expensive commodity on the black market. Wow. Each rhino horn um, can fetch upwards of three quarters of a million dollars. That's insane. So, yeah, so it's worth more than uh, you know, gold and diamonds and all of that. So, so when you get, you know, when you have these large crime syndicates trying to, you know, get as many out of the country as possible, it's easy to bribe someone down there that, you know, trying to feed the family or trying to, yeah. survive you know and and obviously they're the ones that are doing the direct killing but they're not the problem you know so there's there's way so many ways of attacking this and we're just on one part of it you know loads of loads of other individuals and organizations are attacking different levels you know about yeah. uplifting communities around the game parks giving them jobs so they don't have to take bribes and do things and it's just it's it's so multifaceted and layered. It's it's incredible. The more we do it, the more we learn that you know we're just a tiny small bit. But at least we you know we're involved, and hopefully it grows and gets better. And and you know more players come on board, more corporates come on board, and and uh, we get get the job done. So we're we're facing quite a lot. And I think when John went with us to the Kruger Park, um, we interviewed one of the game rangers there. And the Kruger Park is an iconic game reserve in South Africa it's our biggest I want to say it's close to the size of Wales and it, it has a huge population of rhino and uh, the game warden for that area he said in two three years time there will be no rhino left in whatsoever well, it brings a tear to me eye mate it brings a tear to my eye yeah. that's bloody drastic so, that so yeah. we fight a lot of corruption um, on many levels with it because obviously the amount of money that's involved so you know, you've got officials that are involved and, and on different levels, and that makes it difficult. But, you know, if you can just predict even a small portion at some point, you know, the numbers can cover. You know? So that's the hope. Well, fingers crossed. And it's uh, it's admirable, the work that you're doing. And it sounds like from what happened in that game reserve, the first place it went in it is making a difference. Um, just bring yes. the background to, to sort of golf a little bit and yourself, Justin. I mean, one thing that I think people won't know about you um, and that will really sort of put everything you've achieved in the game into perspective, because it's pretty spectacular, is that you're you're pretty much blind in one eye. Is that right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, when I was four years old, I uh, I was playing cricket with a buddy and I threw a bowled and I wasn't a very good bowl and I hit him with the ball and he uh, threw the bat at me and kind of ducked and went into a tree and I was going to collect it. And while I was walking towards it, my mum called me. So I looked around, but I carried on walking. And when I looked back, oh. the tree had these big needles and it went straight through my right eye. Oh. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's oh. you know, 
I wouldn't say it's, I'm, I wouldn't say it's, maybe it's held me back. I don't know, but it happened when I was really young. So I think I, I found a right way around it to adapt. But if it happened to you, someone when they were an adult or in the middle of their career, I don't think you could really recover. But daily, on a daily basis, I fight double vision. Um, just on Sunday, I'm on the golf course and I look down, I see two balls, two putter heads and four feet. And literally, you have to close, you have to close one eye. So yeah. some days are harder than others. For me uh, based on light conditions how tired i am um, just various factors but i think the biggest thing is when it comes to putting long distances and over and down slopes you use two eyes where they cross you use that to, to develop perception yeah. and your yeah. brain use automatically uses those images and can tell how far things are and then you can kind of adjust from there so for me when i have a putt especially when there's when there's elevation and change and I really, really struggle. So I have to come up with ways to kind of get away around it. And, and sometimes I'm quite effective at it and other times <laughs> pretty, pretty rubbish. I mean, I was playing, I played on Sunday with Matt Fitzpatrick, arguably one of the best putters in the, in the game at the moment. And mm. I, I, I ripped a drive down the third and ripped three with, um, like 10 I left 25 feet and uh, I ran a feet past and I was like you just hit one of the worst putts in front of one of the best putters and I felt like such an idiot three putted and yeah. you just like you, you know you, you sit there and go you can do better but then sometimes I gotta sit there and go well it was a really hard tricky putt a lot of elevation and sometimes you just get it wrong just you know deal with it so but uh, I wouldn't have it any other way I think challenges help you define who you are it helps you build character definitely it helps you be more resilient um when things are tough and not going well and uh i think that has been one facet that's helped me get through some tough times on tour and in tough moments and mm -hmm. i think dealing with with uh something like that with my eye has is has made me who i am and i've got to welcome that too so i can't really hold it Hold a grudge against it. I just kind of deal with it, and you know, the, uh, you know, look. If it doesn't work, maybe I can I can go and do something else. But uh, for now, the tour's kept me around, and I'm doing all right. And let's try and oh, okay. you know, lift a trophy oh, before I hang it up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. John said yeah. at the start that obviously you're half South African, half English. I think born in South Africa, but live in England. So where do the allegiances lie? Like Rugby World Cup a couple of years ago, South Africa, England. <laughs> You're really putting me under the gun here now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. On the, right on the cush. Right on the cush. Um, look, I, I, was, I was born in South Africa, and that's a lot of, big part of my heritage. So when it, it's the Springboks, green gold all the way, I'm afraid. Uh, it's just, uh, that's how it is. It, it can't be any other way, but... If England is playing anyone else, I will always pull for England. But if they're playing South Africa, it's, it's got to be South Africa. Well, so, I, I can respect that. Yeah, where you were born and yeah. growing up the heritage. Well, Six yeah. Nations is about to start, mate, which I'm really looking forward to. So you're rooting for England then, thank goodness. Uh, absolutely. No, absolutely. I'll root for England in, in the Six Nations, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, it's quite nice, you know. You give gives you two options. Um, if one's losing, the other one might be winning. In South Africa, yeah. you, 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 you can pick one of them who's dominant at any given time pretty much anyway. You're sorted. You can always... 
It always yeah. me, I know a few people that are like half English, half Welsh. And then when they pick, I'm like, that's too close. You can't be English one day and Welsh the next, depending on who's winning the rugby. It just annoyed me. They pick and choose. Yeah. That's it, not surprising it, yeah, it annoyed I mean, you, Kit. That's not surprising. Yeah, well, I'm easily annoyed. I'm easily annoyed. It also depends on the sport. I mean, when you look at football, you know, South Africa doesn't really feature in the World Cup. So it's easy to pull for. You know, someone like England, that, but it's just the when it comes to cricket and rugby, those those sports that South Africa is really good at, that's where the conflict yeah. lies. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's it's nice to have a bit of both. And you know, I love South Africa and I love going down there and being there, but at the same time, an English summer you can't beat. I love, love being in England in the summer, and uh, I think a large part of me is new. So. I just I just try and pick out the best bits of both and and uh, you know try and try not be in England in, in the winter because it's uh, it's quite uh, quite miserable um, and okay. try and dance around and, and hang on South Africa as much as possible then or somewhere where it's a bit warmer so uh, yeah but definitely you can't be the nice English roast on Sunday you know in, in England oh. and I just, oh. you know lovely you know, lovely. Could, you, you, good, I like a good, a good pint down at the pub, you know, and you can't beat that. So, you have no, a, well, that brings me to another question Who's your idol then? Who's your golf idol? Oh, my goodness. Um, it has to be Ernie. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, Ernie, I can't golf swing, has achieved so much, most so relaxed, um, easy to watch and play golf. It's amazing, but I think equally. What Ernie's done on the golf course, he surpassed off the golf course with his fundraising for Else for Autism. He's built hospitals. He's he's done so yeah. much that will long long outlive what he's done on the golf course. I know he's a golfer and that's who he is, but he's left a legacy. And I think, um, Jack, you know, Gary Player, you know, tried to do some of the stuff, but he's Ernie's more in my my realm. You know, he's here this week. I get to play with him every now and then. I've played a few rounds and just such a nice guy. So Ernie's my number one golf hero for sure. A very good choice. Very good choice. I just wanted to talk to you as well about there's a couple of things that uh, from 2019 really that really stood out for me. Two images that I have in my head of you when someone says Justin Walters and they are crutches to get around at the Scottish Open, which I think was brilliant. And also after that second place in Portugal to, to keep your card was kind of the outpouring of emotion and the relief. Those two images, kind of, almost at either ends of the spectrum, if you like, one almost quite comedic and one yeah. you know, very sort of serious, yeah. solemn and heartfelt. Um, so yeah, it was... Those two, two moments from 2019. Yeah, I, you know, I touched on it earlier about being resilient and tough. The, you know, certainly when I tore my calf, in the Irish Open in 2019, I was doing well. I think I was top 20 with five holes to go on the Friday, and uh, I I hit a shot and tried to run up over a dune to see where it went, and you know, it just gave snapped on me. And I even with a grade three top tear, I still finished the round. I, I missed the cut by two in the end. Even if I made the cut, I would never have been able to play the next day. But I mainly I mainly went to. Um, um, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Marco. Um, I mainly went to Scottish the next week because the European Physio Unit would be there and I'd have access to him and he'd help me recover quicker because we had five weeks off after the Scottish. 
And I went there and every day that I was with them, I also waded in the Scottish Ocean in the sea, which is so cold, Baltic. But apparently David Drysdale did that when he tore his cough and he said it cut his recovery time in half. So I was literally wading in the ocean in North Berwick in crutches um, twice, a, twice a day, twice a day trying to get through. And when it came to Thursday, the, the, I tried to hit a few balls and I could just hit I could just hang on to my, just lean on my left side and hit like hold off cuts. And I thought, well, you know, I can actually hit the ball. So I'm going to you know, I may as well try him here. I can't do any more damage apparently. But I was a little bit worried because I didn't want to make an absolute fool of myself because there's a first reserve sitting there, you know, yeah. chomping yeah. at the bit to go and play. So it's not really fair on him either. But I had a long, hard look at it and I said, I think I can do it. And I went out with crutches. I walked with crutches and I shot one on a par. And I think, <laughs> I think I was, I think I beat about 50 other guys. <laughs> yeah, how um, good is that? But I don't think I factored in that I'd actually need to do two, three rounds, four rounds. You know, I figured I could get through one, at least two. But I played at 2.30 in the afternoon um, on the Thursday and I put everything I had into that first round. And the turnaround time was just too quick. You know, I put the next day, the next morning back on the golf course and I had nothing. I really had nothing. I couldn't have done it. And literally, um, for the next three weeks, I could barely walk properly. So it was it was tough. And, I, and in that time, my dad was really ill. And I lost my dad shortly after that. And it was it was one of those years would, would break, break you. So it, did, it did break me, really. I was I, I remember being in Spain crying on the golf course. I was just in such a weird place. I couldn't, I couldn't manage, you know, and uh, took stock. And as you said, I had a really good team around me and they really, really, really shook the tree and got me going. And uh, I played well in Italy um, two weeks prior to Portugal. And uh, I, <clears throat> I have good history of Portugal too, because when I lost my mom in 2013, I went to Portugal and finished second. So the symmetry was again there this year, just lost my dad went back to Portugal and uh, managed to find a way to finish second and uh, literally could have won the tournament again. I think I bogeyed 18, tough hole. Otherwise, I would have been in the playoff. Um, I three-putted three 16 too. So really, you know, lost another opportunity to win a tournament there. But yeah, it's it a tough, tough, tough year. But also, it makes you, it makes you, you stronger and know that you can handle a lot of stuff. And uh that's what it did for me. And it was nice to honor my dad and my mom in that fashion. So those are moments, if I didn't ever win, I could always look back on those with a lot of pride. Through finishing second and all the emotion, I want you to talk about the emotions, what unfolded after that second place in Portugal. You know, what does a European tour give back? You know, uh, what, did, what, what did you feel from the players in those hard times that you were going through when you had that second place? I, I think the most incredible thing that I found, especially the last time in Portugal, is um, there were four, four, four or five players that came to watch me finish on 18. Mm -hmm. Even though I bogeyed the hole and I didn't quite get through, they were there because they knew what I'd been through. And I think that's the family that's out here, you know. Obviously, we know mm -hmm. close to every single player. But when yeah. players, when you have the respect of other players, I think that's the biggest gift you can have. Yeah. And, you know, when guys wait around, that means they care about you and they're, they're proud of what you're doing. And I think that was one of the biggest gifts I took away from it. Um, and then the messages that are pouring, you know, 
Um, it's really incredible, not only from players, from caddies, officials, um, any staff, you know, the, the media, Sky, you, know, you John, um, anyone that's there, you know, generally, you know, it's just a big family, you know, and Tony yeah. Johnson, Tony's, Tony's yeah. been really big uh, mentor yeah. for me. Um, he would, that, that week of Portugal, he called me on Saturday night and he said, Justin, you just got to stay with your putts just one second longer. Can you do that for me? Just one second longer. And that whole day in Portugal, all I did was just one second longer of the putts. And, it, and yeah, I made, made a serious amount of putts. So, you know, just little things like that, you know, just it's huge um, to be part of a greater thing, a greater cause, a big family, and, and part of this game that has captured so many people, you know, before, now, and in the future. And it's lovely to be a part of that. I was going to say, mate, you see, I've seen some of your hobbies, your inner Mr. Miyagi bonsai tree cutting. Come on, man. You know, what is this all yeah. about? I can see you're a bonsai man and uh, the Mr. Miyagi is obviously shining down on you. How, good, how therapeutic yeah. is it to uh, work on a bonsai tree? Yeah, thank you. You know, I haven't done as much of it lately because can I do travel, the, Can you do you the know. crane? Can you do the crane? Are you any good at it? <laughs> no, there's no, there's no correlation between me hacking it the bush to getting into funny positions to <laughs> kick someone's ass. No, I can't. I can't do it. No. <laughs> There's no correlation there, unfortunately. Is that like a weapon or something? That, like, it'd be like karate meets bonsai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I think uh, there's something about nurturing something and having a vision for what it could be and then actually making it be that. And I, I enjoy that. I must say, I'm not a connoisseur of it. I'm not amazing at it. Most of the time, I pre-buy my bonsais and then I just try not to kill them. Yeah. Um, I think that's what I kind of just try and do. I, 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 I try and start a few on my own, but most of them that I have, I've bought that are, that are old already and you just try and keep the form that they're in and learn how you, you feed them and keep them alive and what sun and temperatures and all that. So that's quite cool. But uh, I'm, I just like being outdoors, really. Um, I've never been in one. I grew up on a farm, so and I grew up on my own because my, my brothers were seven and nine years older than me, so they're always a different part of their life. And so I was on a big farm on my own most of the time, and I would just be outside. So I'm happy to be outside doing anything, really. Last summer, I built a pergola during lockdown in my at the house in North Carolina, and uh, I built one in at the house in England, and... Um, yeah, just like creating something, you know, and I think there's something therapeutic in that. There's not many things you can do that doesn't involve thinking about golf because golf kind of can invade you at, in the dark times. You can't get rid of it, really. It's kind of in your bed. It's in the shower. It's just it's everywhere, you know, when it's not going well. Um, and when it's going really uh, well, obviously, you're just over the moon. So but you need perspective. You need balance and you can't. You can't always find that balance by just playing golf. You have to do other things in life, you know. You have to to stay grounded and balanced with, with your approach. Otherwise, the game will eat you. It will eat you up and spit you out um, over the long run. And uh, and that's what I do. I mean, fly fishing, too, is a big passion of mine. I love, you know, I love mm. fishing for rainbow and brown trout. That's just something... You know, they tend to grow in very pretty parts of the world. And uh, so I, I generally go and visit those areas, uh, New Zealand being one, and I love it. And uh, yeah, so I'm out there 
outdoor person. You got That's just who I am. It's. I think that's a big South African thing too, because we have the weather to do it. You know. Well, I know you're in Saudi Arabia and you can't drink over there, mate. So I'm going to have one on your behalf. I'm going to do a boxy special. I'm going to have a rum and coke, all right, mate? So you oh, crack on and have a chat and I'll, I'll, I'll cut in with something. I feel like there's a very fine line, John, between having a drink out of empathy and just being really cruel and like dangling something in, in front of Justin that he can't have. Well, I'm all hurt. Yes. I'm all hurt. I'm all hurt. You are, you are. That's, that's, that's like... That's like eating in front of the hungry, you know? It's just yeah, not fair. Yeah, that's cruel. That's cruel. Uh, you're, you're sharing a room with uh, Dean uh, Burmester, Burmy there this week as well, I think, aren't you, Justin? Um, yeah, he's done well at, in Saudi before. Didn't he do quite well, I think, in the inaugural event there a couple of years ago? Um, no, he, Burmy, did, Burmy did well here last year. I think last he finished top 10. No, yeah, yeah he struggled the first. Um, yeah, just hit. Sorry? Do you sort of share strategies and tips between players, or is it like, right, I found a secret this week? I'm not. I need to keep that to myself. Or no, generally, it's, it's so I, I think, uh, yeah, there is a big element of different games, but uh, I think largely when Burmy pats well, then everyone's in trouble. So um, <laughs> yeah. most of the time, he doesn't need any tips on hitting it well. He hits it really decent, but when the, the ball goes in the hole on the green. Then we all complain for second place. So um, I think that's what largely he kind of is now focusing on getting right. And uh, yeah, I mean, we both have the same padding coach. We have a very similar team. You know, we both use Eduardo Molinari for our stats. And so a lot of the times we, we both have good teams around us and they probably guide in both of us in similar ways. So most of the time, what I, what I like about spending a lot of time with Burmy is we don't talk about golf. You know, he's got the same passions he loves fishing he loves the outdoors he's obviously very uh very into wildlife and the conservation of it so you know being on tour can be lonely sometimes you know and uh i think it's really nice to to have the ability to have a really good friend there and you can you know share your worries your excitement your thoughts or what's going on and out there and uh you can go play some golf and yeah maybe build a strategy on some holes but his lines off the tee sometimes vary from mine. You know, I remember I didn't get to play a course. He goes, yeah, you can drive this green. And I got there the next day and I said, what is he? What? No, <laughs> I can't hit on that line. So, yeah, <laughs> it does vary. But, uh, <laughs> but um, no, I think it's really, I really enjoy having having someone, you know, to, to break the time up, especially being in the bubble mm -hmm. now, which is a relatively new thing. It's, it can be very tedious and tiring and you can only, you can only really spend time with one other player and their caddies. That's kind of your little bubble group. And yeah. I couldn't think of anyone I want to want to be around more than, than Dean. So it's worked out really well in that sense, but the social aspect on tour has changed a lot with, with, with COVID and the, uh, I think the walls can kind of close in on you a little bit. And uh, I think it's great to, to have that uh, ability to have a laugh and try and pass time a little bit. And so I was, I was just going to have a quick one. You can ask Burmy this. So look over your left shoulder. But what's your favorite golf course on tour, my friend? Ask him and ask yourself, which one is it? What's your favorite course, Burmy? On tour. Yeah, mine's Leopard Creek. Yeah, I yeah. knew it would be, man. So is that the course, if you could win any event, is that the course you'd want to win it on? 
Excluding the no, major, I'd, right. I'd, like, I'd like to win in Augusta, obviously, or something like that. Oh, yeah. Wrong, but... yeah. Okay, <laughs> no, yeah, I think if you took if you took the majors and WGCs and Rolex events out of it, you know, Daniel, Daniel at Leopard Creek is just, it's just something that's just so special to both of us. It's obviously right close to the bush where we, you know, love to mm. hang out and be, you know, in the wildlife. But the feel of being there, the sounds, the, you know, the, the, the bries and the fires in the evening, you know, it's just the golf course speaks for itself. It's amazing oh. layout, always in great condition. It's just, it's such a well-rounded event. It has so many facets that I really enjoy. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be great, great to play, play well and win there. I mean, it's just become such a hard golf course now with how oh. they changed it to Bermuda. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real beast. And most of the time, Mr. Rupert is making sure that it is playing as hard as possible now because he can with the sub-air system. And, yeah, I think he sits there and, like, you know, tries to decipher ways to make us look like we shouldn't have our names on our bags. So it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a yeah, tough reckon, place to win. I, I reckon he's got a remote at home that he just goes, no, that that, that green's too soft. I'm going to just whoop it up a little <laughs> bit. And, oh, yeah, look at this next guy come in. And a boing, over the green. But I know for a celebration, if you won round Leopard Creek, you definitely ain't jumping in the Crocodile River, especially not at the moment anyway, because you're going to be hundreds no, of miles down no. street. Not at the moment, no. There's not many, not many dams or rivers you're going to jump in around there. So I would, I would just take a, a champagne, um, but a shower on the 18th. Like maybe I don't know. There's even a crocodile in that in that pond on on 18. So <laughs> I mean, I, I, we, me and Bermi went fishing there last last this last December, and you know he's looking at me on the bank like I was an all-you-can-eat buffet, and he's looking at Bermi. He's like, "Oh, that's more like a green leaf salad." I was, and he just stared at me the whole time. I was like, "This is not right. Come on." Yeah, you want the all-you-can-eat buffet option? Yeah. John's party trick yeah. is to swim a little pond after it in a good shot in. So we maybe need to keep him away from playing too much in South Africa. That could end badly trying to swim over there. Yeah, yeah I, I was there with him. I was there in in Sweden in Brohof playing the seventeenth uh, in the practice round when you swam across that lake, John. Yeah, I, I've never I've never mentioned that. To, uh, we had uh, Jamie Spence on the uh, the other week actually, and he said I forgot to say that one. And it, we were doing a link from seventeen to eighteen, and he said, "Come on over." And instead of going around a long way, I just like just got in the water, but I I just. I got out covered in frog spawn, like I at top to yeah. toe in frog spawn, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, "Oh my yeah. god, I look like swamp thing." What I, I do just now? Walking towards him to yeah. the show, and I was like, "Oh my god, what have I done?" Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, what do I do? Yeah, yeah, what do I do, mate? No, it's, but how, it's how great. Good, I mean, how good are the Pratt's facilities at Leopard Creek? Talk us through that because that is a joke, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think what prompted it a few years ago it was always number one or two golf course in the country. And I think a ranking came out where it dropped one and it listed the practice facilities were not up to scratch. <laughs> well, Mr. Rupert didn't take very kindly to that. Did he not only build one of the best ranges in the world, he decided to put up an amazing par three course that has his favorite par threes around the world in it. And it's, it's in just as good a shape as the golf course is. And literally on the range, you can go, you can hit in any wind condition because it's a semi-circle. The, the, oh, 
T box. Yeah. And then it has um it has uh two putting greens and it has two chipping greens and you can hit any shot from a hundred yards and then on those greens. And then to the right of that, if you haven't had enough to do that day, there he has the Himalayas that are at St Andrews. He's yeah. copied the Himalayas and put those on the right. So you can obviously have a serious putting challenge there. So yeah, I mean incredible. I mean incredible. It's you literally, if I lived in South Africa, I would try and beg and plead him to go there for a week before you know every stretch of tournaments. You know, um, I, hope it got back I don't to think you could. Rankings after that, putting all that in, um, it restored that. It <laughs> definitely restored that. Um, but I don't know. I think I read something. I think Bermi showed me the other day that he's. Uh, I don't know what's happened there, but it's down to third again. So who knows what he's going to do? I was going to say um, if I did when it fell to second. Be prepared for some big, big stuff at Leopard Creek if it's falling to well, I heard, I heard rumours prior to the COVID uh, pandemic that he was wanting to build another golf course next door and then host the President's Cup on Leopard Creek. That would be so. I mean, can you imagine that golf course for? Uh, can you imagine having having a, um, a match play event on that golf course? It would be incredible. I mean, that was just a rumor whether that's actually true, but I mean, that would be amazing. I would love to be and watch that. That would just be spectacular. If it's true, you heard so. it first on the filthy lip out from Justin Walters. We're well, taking yeah. you get well, in, mate. I'm caddying for you. If you're in, I'm caddying for you. Yeah. Or, yeah. or you need to put your playing partner off. I mean, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't hold me to it. That's just that's just rumors. So yeah, but hopefully it's true. Well, fingers crossed because that'd be awesome. Justin, thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, yeah, absolute. I had a great time. Thanks, guys. Uh, have an awesome week uh, in Saudi this week and uh, the rest of the season as well. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you to John as always for yeah. coming on with me. Um, please follow us at Filthy Lip Out on Twitter. Remember to like and subscribe and review us wherever you're listening. That's all we've got time for this week. We will see you again next time. Thanks for having me. Take care, everyone.